now, today, I'm going to the book of Psalms, and I'm going to the 37th Psalm, Psalm 37. Praise God. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word? Okay, here we go. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And this morning, I, I want to speak on this subject. Today, I commit unto the Lord. Amen. Would you lift your voices and would you praise him one more time? Lord, I love you. Worship you, God. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Your will be done today in this time that we have together. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to uh, say a big hello to all those who are worshiping with us online. Uh, to Fred White Jr., who's up in Caribou, watching our service today uh, via YouTube, and several who are on Facebook. We're so very happy to have you, especially those who have been regularly doing so from far away places, some in Illinois, Missouri, some in Kentucky, some, who knows, Africa. I know there's lots of different places that people are worshiping God with us this morning, and we're happy to have you on board. So also want to say a uh, shout out to Sister Helen Peasley, who may be uh, watching this service this morning. She fractured her sternum in a in a car accident, and uh, so we're believing God for her complete recovery, and she's uh, at home recovering, and we're believing God it'll be a hasty and a quick recovery. Also, if uh, Harry and Mary Magoon are watching this morning from Lincoln, we want to say hi to them, and we believe that God is working a work in their lives. Somebody said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Brother Gary. It's good to see you this morning, worshiping the Lord on a Sunday morning in house. It's going to be like old times today when we get together with uh, Brother Cornwell, and uh, Jesse's coming too. So uh, we're going to have a we're going to have a find Brother Jesse. If you're watching, we're glad you're coming this week. God bless you with your dad. Amen. Well, this is a great day. So if, if you would, let me uh, have your attention just for a few moments. Now, some of you folks that's been with me for 40 years, I try to come up with new stories every once in a while, but for the new ones that haven't heard, indulge us. Because when I think of commitment, I always think of one particular story, and some of you can already tell me what I'm going to say. It was many years ago. A friend of mine by the name of Sid Keir approached me at our district campground in Old Town, which, by the way, we have a wonderful camp meeting come up the last week of June. But he approached me at our district campground in Old Town many years ago, and he said, hey, I got a rubber raft, and I'm, I'm going to go do some rapids. Would you like to go with me? Now, it was many years ago, and... 
I didn't have these gray hairs. And I didn't realize what he was asking me, so I said, sure. So we go down to this place on the Pushaw, where the Pushaw and the Stillwater River converge. And just above that, he pumps up this two-man army surplus raft. He has one paddle, of which he is the proud possessor of. And we walked down through this path through the woods to get down to the water. And we got, as we're walking toward the water, I hear this ominous roar. So when we got to the water, many of you will recall my next words to Brother Kier was, Brother Kier, I think I'm going to let you do this solo. I'm going to stand here and watch. To which he replied, that's okay. I won't tell anybody you chickened out. Now, right now, I wouldn't care if somebody said I chickened out. But at that time, being a very young man, he challenged my male ego. And I said, okay, I'm going. And I got in front of this raft, and I remember grabbing hold of the rope. There's a little rope that goes around. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is not the commercial raft that you may have used on whitewater going with a company. This is a very small replica. I almost think it might have said Mattel on it. But it had a rope that went around the outside and so I knelt on my knees in the front and I grabbed a hold of the rope. Brother Kira got in the back and shoved off with the paddle and then he began to really oar that thing, paddle. And for a couple minutes, he was just paddling, and then I, I felt the current take control of us. And Brother Kier shouted, we're committed. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh my God, I've been a fool. And I got my hands on the rope, and I'm on my knees in the front. And so... Put the picture up. This is Gilman Falls. He lied to me. He told me we were going to shoot some rapids. He didn't tell me we were going to go over a falls. So you see that, that place over on the left... We're coming down from where between those two little islands there with the green trees, and we're coming down that left side. My eyes, I promise you, are bugging, and I'm in the front and I'm kneeling. <laughs> and we start going faster and faster. And in one, it can be, Gilman Falls can be a non event, or it can be depending on the amount of water that has, you know, from the spring or whatever. So that year it was pretty good. And uh, I'll never forget, we go over that and down that area. And at the bottom on the left side, you might see a little black area right on the left. That, my friends, is a whirlpool. 
And uh, Brother Kier is doing a valiant job of paddling, I will say that. And we skirted the edge of that whirlpool. I still wonder what would have happened if we hadn't been taken into the whirlpool. I'm not sure we would have gotten out of that. But we came out and on down the river, and so it wasn't until later, later that Brother Kier met me again at the campground. He said, you know, that wasn't a rapids we went over. I said, it wasn't? It sure seemed like it to me. He said, no, it was a falls. <laughs> so whenever I think of committed, I think of that time kneeling in that raft when we've already launched and there's no turning back and we're committed. Last weekend, our church family put on three nights of the drama called Messiah and uh, our Sunday morning Easter service. It was extraordinary. The Lord blessed. We had an accumulated total of over 1,300 for those four services. Now that includes our cast. And I'm thankful for what God did. Many souls were touched and stirred, and some are here this morning. Three were baptized. One of them came out of the water speaking the tongues. And God began to speak to my heart. It took total commit for, commitment for everybody to make that happen. It was like a high level of commitment that was exacted from everyone. And tears filled my eyes when I felt God impress me with what I'm talking about this morning. Look what happens when people fully commit to God. When everybody pulls together with one mind and one accord, it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that, that God gives to an individual to be part of something that will last for eternity. There's a lot of things we do, we have to do, we have to eat, we have, a, have to have a place to sleep, we, have, you know, we, we need to take care of our family, and all that's very, very important. But in the midst of all the stuff that we all do, God comes once in a lifetime and says, would you like to be part of something that's going to last beyond the grave? Would you like to do something that would last forever? Once in a lifetime, God calls us to do something that can only happen if we make a total commitment. Noah was a senior citizen when God called him to commit to build an ark. I think you all would agree with me that the ark would not have been built if Noah had to build it in his spare time. Roughly 600 feet long, roughly 100 feet wide, roughly 60 feet high, no power tools, no chainsaws, no motors, Trees had to be sawn or chopped with an axe. Everything was done. All the planing was done by hand. And it took eight people, four men and their wives, 120 years to build that ark. As they committed themselves to doing something that God had called them to do. 
If they had not made that commitment, where would we be? Was it worth it? Was it worth making that commitment? Yeah, because they would have lived and they would have died and you never would have heard about them. Matter of fact, you wouldn't be around. Because had it not been for them building the ark, the human race would have been brought to extinction. They had to totally commit and sacrifice to make it happen. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark. Look at the next five words. To the saving of his house. If Noah hadn't heard and answered and responded with a total commitment, he would have lost the members of his own house. We are now living in the prophesied times that mirror the days of Noah. We are. Just as Noah was called to build an ark just before judgment and the death that would destroy the then known world, God is calling us to commit to working for him to save as many as we possibly can from imminent destruction. I think we would be foolish like the proverbial ostrich sticking our head in the sand if we were just to ignore world events that are going on right now. I think we should be arising and waking up and saying, okay, whatever I'm going to do for God, I must do it quickly. Is there anybody I love that's not saved? Is there anybody I know that needs salvation? Is there anybody, is there anything that I can do for God? Whatever my hands find to do, I need to do it with all my might. It's, it's not something that I can now do in my spare time. Your job now becomes your spare time job. All the things that you do, those are things that you do as you can. But your most important job now is to do what God has placed in front of you. And today, I commit unto the Lord. When I saw what happened when this church committed together, and everybody began to work together, it was just like a smooth, whirring machine. It was awesome. The folks who were ushering, the people who were acting, the people who were singing, the people who were praying, the people who fasted before it came to pass, the people that invited. It was like everybody had something to do and everybody was busy working with all their heart. I'm here to tell you that now the greatest opportunity is staring us straight in the face. Listen, I believe that the opportunity is now. And if we pass up the opportunity that God has given us now, I don't know what tomorrow holds for this nation. I do not know what tomorrow holds for this world. I only know I feel an imminent threat that's coming of the coming of the Lord and the coming of the judgments of God which immediately follow. And I feel like whatever you've thought about doing, whatever you've been considering, whatever it's been that you thought I should really devote myself to God, I promise you, if you will do it now, you will save your house. You will save your house. You will save your house. I'm not making this up. Listen to the words of Jesus. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. 
For as in the days that before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. In other words, it was a very busy time just before the flood. Everybody was really, really busy until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not. It was a complete shocker to them until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field. One shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. These are not words that come from some silly book. It is, these are words that come from the mouth of the Lord Jesus and recorded in the Holy Scriptures. And I believe that God is trying to wake us up and say, hey church, hey people, whatever you're going to do, you better do it now. Noah had to respond when he did or the ark would not have been completed when the flood came. Whatever you're going to do for God, the Holy Ghost is telling me that we've got to do it now. If you ever thought about truly being 100% committed to God and to the church of the living God, this is the time to do it. You cannot serve God on a part-time basis and save your family. It will not work. I promise you, it will not work. If you want to save your family, if you want to see Augustus saved, if you want to see the people of your community and people come from several communities to this church if you want to see that happen today is the day that you need to say today I commit unto the Lord as long as we're worried about what it's going to cost us we're not totally committed as long as we're afraid that God might ask us to do something that we're not comfortable doing as long as you're concerned about what God is going to ask you to do, you are not totally committed. The totally committed say, Lord, I'm yours. Body, soul, and spirit, lock, stock, and barrel. I'm yours, God. I'm yours completely. Not almost, but all together, I'm yours. I hear the voice of God earnestly calling us commit ourselves without reservations to the mission of saving as many as possible. I wonder if the people of the Ukraine a year ago, if they had known what was coming, what they might have done. I wonder what the people of this audience right here listening to me today would do if God was to put on prophecy glasses and you would see what is going to happen in our precious dear country in our state of Maine within the next 365 days I wonder what we would do I promise you it is time to activate it's time to motivate for yourselves know perfectly Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5 that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day, and we are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others 
but let us watch and be sober. I feel so strongly that God is calling you to make a commitment to God, a total commitment. You remember the funny little illustration, we've often used it, the pig and the hen were having a conversation, they were talking about how wonderful the farmer was, and what could they do to, to give honor to him, and so the chicken says, I know what we can do, and the pig says, what? The chicken says, let's give the farmer a bacon and eggs breakfast. Pigs look, pig looks at the hen and says, humph, easy for you to say, for you it's just a contribution. For me it's a total commitment. I appreciate all the contributors. I appreciate everyone that, that, that has been willing to contribute. But now we are getting to such an urgent stage of world economy, of world situations. And when people are dying every day, and we're looking at nations that the Bible has prophecies about Russia. The Bible has prophecies about Red China. Listen, folks, you can sit there and be lullabied to sleep, but your family will pay the cost. Or we could say, all right, if we can do this on one weekend, what would happen if every one of us said, I am totally committing to God right now? Amen. Pastor, I'm going to share my faith. I'm going to tell people about the Lord. I'm going to invite people to church. And, and many of you know that the reason I'm in church is because my father invited my mom and my grandmother and all my mom's family one time to church and they went and received the Holy Ghost and voila, here I am along with probably about 20 preachers and my family. Don't think that just giving an invitation to church is not important. It was something that has brought hundreds of thousands of people into the kingdom of God because of one invitation. I could prove that to you if you want me to. You can talk to me after service, but I can prove to you that it's multiplied thousands. They're in the kingdom of God today because of one invitation. Don't think that what you have to offer is meaningless. Don't think that what you have to offer is minor, but everybody has giftings and everybody has blessings and everybody has a purpose and a mission. Noah built an ark. Noah could have said, I am not a builder, but if that was his answer, we wouldn't be here. Years ago when we were building the church in Waterville, Brother Ferris was helping me build a church up in Waterville. I asked a couple guys if they'd come and help me, and one of them said, God didn't call me to drive nails. He called me to preach. I don't know what God called him to do. I thought God called us all to save souls. 
All I know is now is the time. God doesn't make mistakes. Every one of you who are sitting here this morning in this service and online with us right now, God has a special purpose in your life. He has designed and coordinated for you to be able to be here. Yes, there's things you you haven't got done. Yes, there may be times when you didn't follow the will of God. Yes, there may have been times when you failed, but you're here, aren't you? And because you're here, that means that God includes you on the team. It's time to say today, I commit unto the Lord. Therefore, let us not sleep as others. Let us watch and be sober. You know, commitment is a two-way street. When you get news that something's going wrong, you know what the first thing you're going to do is? Oh, God. Oh, my God. You want God to be committed to you. And you should. And I do. We all do. But commitment is a two-way street. When we commit to God, God commits to us. Sometimes everybody thought anybody would do it. Anybody thought somebody would do it. You know who did it? Nobody. When we take that Look at the work of God like, oh, I'll help out when I can jump in. I'll just jump in when I can. We're missing out on the greatest blessing that God intended. For the irony of ironies is when you totally commit to God, that's when your life becomes the fullest. That's when your life becomes the most blessed. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, let's just say it the way Jesus said it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Some of you are getting the cart in front of the horse. You're trying to get all the things that you want and you're spending all your day and all your night amassing things. And then when the doctor's report comes in and says, you're not going to be around to enjoy those things. You go, huh? That is not the way to do it. The way to do it is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things God will add to you. It's a two-way street. Peter the elder said in 2 Peter 3, But the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. I I don't know if you, you know, you ever thought about that, but when it says the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, it means the Lord doesn't delay to keep his promises. It means he's not negligent. And once he makes a promise, he keeps that promise. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Let us not delay any longer. I'm not talking to people that maybe have, uh, you know, that just have never made a commitment to God. I'm talking to people who have made a commitment that now need to say, okay, God, it's a total commitment. I give myself to you. I want to do your work. I want to serve the Lord. I want my life to count. 
when the Lord calls my name, I want him to be smiling and saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. Now I make you ruler over many. It's important that we hear the voice of God. Part-time commitment is like a part-time job. It will not fully support you. When you get into the crisis, you're going to be glad that you had a total commitment to God. I've walked down the corridors of many hospitals more than I care to remember. This white hair on my head is not just because of age. It's because I have been down the corridor of many, many hospitals and I've walked in too many waiting rooms of funeral homes. I have married your young and buried your dead. And I've gone into the hospitals and prayed and God has been very merciful to us. But I can only tell you that in those times when I have walked through the corridor of a hospital that I have often thought, Lord, I'm so glad that I made a total commitment to you. You see, when things are going well and the sun is shining, it's hard to differentiate between those who are partly committed and those who are totally committed. You don't really notice that. But when the waves begin to roil and the wind begins to blow and, and now the Saturday sailor no longer knows how to deal with this. This is, this is a storm he's never even contemplated before. It becomes very obvious at that moment. Whether it's a part-time weekend sailor or whether it's someone who's a veteran who has his hand on the wheel. Somebody hear me today. Today is the day that I commit to the Lord. Daniel was just a teenager. We talked about Noah. He was a senior. Daniel was a teenager when he was torn away from his home, brought into a captive and a strange land. Just a teenager. But he committed to living and working for God. And, and when you do, God elevates you. And he did. And, and again, remind, let me remind you that the, the irony is that God's call requires total commitment, but God's call totally raises the life of the committed beyond belief. Daniel's enemies went to the pagan king and requested to make a decree. And here's the decree in Daniel 6, 7. I'm reading part of it. That whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, saveth thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. The king, not knowing that this was aimed at Daniel, was really impressed, and he signs the decree that nobody is to pray to anybody but him for 30 days. But no matter the decree, Daniel was totally committed, and he prayed every morning, noon, and night. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he, he kneeled down upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God as he did aforetime. 
How could he do this? Because Daniel didn't wait until a crisis came and then says, all right, now I'm going to totally commit. Daniel was fully committed before the crisis. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel, cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest, Thy God whom thou servest, I'm waiting for you to look at the scripture. Thy God whom thou servest. What's the next word, folks? Thy God whom thou servest continually. That was the key word when he got thrown in the lion's den. If he said, Thou, thy God whom thou servest on a part time basis. Thy God whom thou servest sometimes when you're up to it. No. When you're in the lion's den, what you want to hear is somebody saying, thou, Thy God whom thou servest continually, He will deliver thee. Oh, I can't express to you how important it is, the blessings of being fully committed to God. Don't look at it as being something that takes away from you. Look at it as being something that will add to your life when you're fully, totally committed. When you serve God continually, then he's going to deliver you from the den of lions. If you've just become a Christian... If you recently began to live for God, born of water and spirit, make up your mind now, you'll be totally committed to God. If you recently renewed your promise to follow the Lord, it's not too late. Make up your mind right now. I'm going to be totally and fully committed to follow the Lord. If you've been living for God for many years, it's not too late. Make up your mind now. I am committed totally to living for God. For I believe that the greatest mission is right before us. I feel it so strong. I go back to the scripture that I read. I'm not going back to the beginning of the message. But the scripture I read at the beginning was, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. There's something that's going to come because we're committed to God. Proverbs 16, 3 says, Commit thy way unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. That means commit to the Lord everything you do. Then your plans will succeed. Joshua said, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You see, here's what I feel that God is ready to do. I see prayer teams coming and assembling at the church. Maybe teams of four. Somebody grabbing a partner. Maybe three others. And praying. I feel like it's time for prayer teams to be coming to the house of God day and night. Different ones don't have to be the same ones every time. I see people who are saying, okay, I'm going to fast and pray for my family. I'm going to fast and pray for the people that are lost 
around me. I, I see people saying, okay, I'm going to find a, a Bible study chart. I may not, I may butcher the King's English, but, but I'm going to give somebody a chance. And I'll teach a Bible study to somebody. I see people going out and knocking doors again and inviting the people to church. Ugh. Something that your flesh does not like. Inviting children to ride our buses or our vans to Sunday school. And I see God doing signs and wonders as we radically commit to him. I'm thankful for the folks who are going out to the nursing homes and witnessing to those who are at the end of life. And there's so many more things that can be done. I think we stand at the crossroads where mediocrity and supernatural meet. We can turn and we can be the mediocre. Your life can just be average. You can make your paycheck, make enough money to buy your meals, and enough to afford housing. But I believe that God has called you for something higher than that. And it's going to take a total commitment, but guess what? The people who are busy for God are the happiest. Their families are the happiest. Their children are the happiest. People that are busy for God, I can't explain it to you. I can only tell you that you can't outgive the Lord. Whether it be in time or talent or treasure, it doesn't matter. You cannot outgive the Lord. God is going to bless you as you totally dedicate to Him. And today, I commit unto the Lord. If this group right here, and believe me, there's lots more teaching Sunday school right now, and lots more in the youth group that are really jumping on this. But if we right here were to say, that's it, I'm going to be totally involved in the work of God like I've never been involved before. I'm going to witness like I've never witnessed. I'll get some of those cards and hand out cards. I'd be willing to stand up and be an example of what a Christian is supposed to be in our community. I'm going to put the effort that it took us when we did the Messiah. I'm going to try. How about doing that for the immediate future? And say, okay, the work of God will come first now. Here's what I predict. God will bless your life like you've never been blessed before. And you will save your house. Saddle up your horses. We got a trail to blaze. We got a mission to accomplish. Don't say, well, who am I? What can I do? 
You don't get it, do you? God called you. You're special. God can use you just like he can use anybody else. What he's looking for is someone to say, I commit. We wouldn't have Texas today if it weren't for some guys in a place called Alamo that said, I commit. We wouldn't have this nation that we have if it weren't for some soldiers at Valley Forge that said, I commit. Everything we've got, we've got because somebody committed and most importantly, He committed it all. And here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, we are literally racing the rapture right now. You may be wondering what you're going to do for your next vacation. That's okay. Fine. Vacations are okay. But what I want you to be thinking about is how can I be more committed to God than I've ever been before in my whole life? What can I do that will last beyond the grave? Years ago, and I, and I can come to a conclusion, a nephew and an uncle went on a, a sail off the Pacific coast. It was the beginning of hurricane season, but the weather reports all looked good. And they'd been planning this trip for a long time, so... They went. And as they plotted their course, they said, to save time, we will not, and for safety reasons, we will not use the, the part that's the shipping lanes. We're going to take a direct GPS-type heading, and we won't follow the shipping lanes. And so they got out to sea in a sailing vessel in horror of horrors, a cyclone hit. The mast snapped. The sailing ship overturned. The uncle, who was a fairly seasoned sailor and his inexperienced nephew, found themselves in a rubber life raft on mountains of waves. They managed to get some survival water tins and some survival stuff. And finally the waves begin to subside and the, the tropical heat begin to do its stuff. The raft slowly begin to lose water, uh, lose air rather, and gain water. And one day... Uncle Bill took out his survival knife. He started scratching on one of the water tins. He reached over. He pulled off his wedding band. He handed it to Dave, his nephew. And he said, Dave, there's not enough water for two people to survive this. We don't have enough rations left. Take this ring. 
give it to my wife and tell her I loved her. Take this empty tin. I just scratched a message to her. And Dave, I want you to be sure that my children know how much I love them. And would you please try to do everything you can for my kids? He began to cry. He said, Uncle Bill, no, please don't, don't do this. Don't leave me here alone. But the seasoned sailor knew there's only enough rations here possibly for one guy to survive until a ship comes within sight. He hands him his wedding band, hands him an empty tin with the scratchings on it, and then he slipped over the side of the raft. With strong strokes, he began to swim away. He was committed that his nephew would live. He turned, it's a true story, and he waved. And then his hand went down beneath the water. He was gone. Days went by. The raft continued to lose air. Finally, it was just, just didn't even hardly look like a raft, but it was still floating. David used his last tin of water. And a miracle of miracles, a ship appears on the horizon. And with his hoarse voice, he begins to shout, Help! Help! This is how we got the story, because Dave did survive. A Norwegian fishing vessel pulls alongside, and they pulled him up. And they said, we received reports of tuna being in this area, but it turned out to be some of our competitors wanted to get us out of our fishing area. And we took their advice, and we sailed out here, and we saw something in the water, and tuna liked to congregate around stuff in the water. So we thought, there's a chance there might be some tuna over there. And when we got closer, we realized it was a person. Dave's tongue was swollen so bad he could hardly speak and his voice was raw. But here's what he said, Brother Peter. Somebody, somebody else is out there. There's somebody else out there. Somebody else out there. Because all he could think of was his uncle was out there. There's somebody else out there. Okay. If you can live with the fact that there's somebody else out there and not be totally committed, then I, I, I wasted my time talking today. But most of us have somebody else out there. And I don't know how we're going to reach them except God helps us as we give our total commitment to him. You can't do it on a part-time basis. You won't be in time. The rapture is going to take place, folks. You've got to get it in your head. It's not what you have on this earth that's going to matter. It's what can we do for Christ just before the coming of the Lord that really matters. Amen. All the toys you have and the stuff you have, it's all going to belong to somebody else shortly. Only what you do for Christ 
is going to last. I think God's given us one great opportunity right now. If we do what we did last week and we put all our hearts into it, God can fill this up. We could build a building. We can see many, many souls say, the Lord comes and we're out of here. Or we can just kind of stumble along. Today, I commit unto the Lord. I believe there's Noah's in here. I believe there's Daniel's in here. I believe there's people that are saying, somebody else out there, I'm going to dedicate my life. I'm going to commit unto the Lord. I'm not going to look around to see who else is willing to do my job. So come on, get ready for the ride of your life. We're going to leave that long-faced religion in a cloud of dust behind. Discover all the new horizons waiting to be explored. This is what we were created for. Bow your heads with me, please. Lord, we're all getting older. It's urgent. It's expedient now. It's, it's critical, Lord, that, that we work hard and together, focused. That we may see the great revival, because most of us have somebody else out there. We can't just let it linger on and give it a partial push. But Lord, there's many of us here today that are recognizing that you're ready to use us in a way that we've never been used before and that we're raising our level of commitment to the Lord. Today I commit. Today I commit unto the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I, I wonder, is there anybody that's feeling like, God, I'm going to make a total commitment. I can't just be the person who comes, watches, observes. I want to be in the big middle of it, God. I want to be used of the Lord. I want my life to count, and when the Lord comes... I want him to smile at me, and I want to be standing there with a good group of people with me. Say, Lord, these people, I told them about you. Here they are. I commit them into your hands. Somebody said, well, Brother Stoops, it's too late for me. No, it's not. Here's what I'm praying right now. I felt this when I was praying. I said, God... I ask you to extend the lives of those who will make a total commitment. Lord, doesn't matter how old we are, I ask you that you would extend the lives of those who are willing to make a total commitment. And I felt it in prayer. And I begin to pray 
God, extend the lives of those who will be totally committed to you. For Lord, the harvest is white, all ready to harvest, and the laborers are so few. So I'm asking God for an extension of life for those who say, God, today I commit unto the Lord. I want to be done with just living about me, doing things for me. I'd like from this day forward to do things for you. And I know you'll take care of me. You always have. I'm waiting for a few more. I thank God for every one of these dear folks that have walked up here. And I'm asking God to extend the lives of those who even may be senior. But I pray in the name of Jesus that God would extend your life. That you could be productive for God. What is going to happen in Augusta now, I believe, is determined by whether or not we're willing to make a commitment. We're at the crossroads. But I believe we're going to make the right choice. I believe we're making the right choice today. God, I'm asking for an extension of life for those who will totally commit to your work. I'm asking, oh God, for an extension of good health. I'm asking, oh God, that you would add years to our lives, that you would bless us as we go about our Father's business. Lord, the devil doesn't serve you, and the people of the world, they may not serve you, but we'll serve you. We'll do your will. God, I'm not going to be one of the onlookers anymore. Put me in the arena. Let me be a part of this great effort. Let me serve you, Lord, with everything that's in me. I want to. I desire to. Is there anybody else that feels called of God today? Whether you're a first-time visitor or whether you've been here 50 years, it doesn't matter. I'm just looking for people that will say, God... Today I commit unto the Lord. Today I commit to the Lord. Put it down, angel. Put it down in the book that you keep. Today I commit unto the Lord. Oh, don't laugh at me, oh, my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. I know you've been laughing at some of us, but you know what? You're not going to be laughing much longer because today we commit unto the Lord. Hallelujah. If God can use Noah as a senior and Daniel as a teenager, then God can still use seniors and teenagers today and everything in between. Today I commit unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus.